The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, Typology friends. Ian Morgan Crum here, host of this podcast, Typology, the show on which we explore the mystery of the human personality and the human adventure through the lens of the Enneagram. Of course, I'm joined by my dear friend, Anthony Skinner. And today I'm joined by my dear, dear friend, <laughs> Seth Abram. <laughs> Amazing. Nice. nice Seth try, Abram. Yeah. Seth Abram, everybody, is an Enneagram guru. He is maybe one of the most schooled Enneagram people I know. Um, he is deeply read in the literature of the Enneagram. He is a coach who works with people trying to figure out what life looks like in the second half. He is the host of Fathoms, which is a wonderful show about the, the Enneagram. And today we're going to be talking about a deep topic. We're going to be talking about the Enneagram and shadow work. Seth, welcome to the show. Oh, it's good to be here, man. You make me sound good. Thanks for that. You left out well, dreamy jawline. <laughs> he, does, he does have a dreamy jawline, doesn't he? Oh. So that's another plus on your resume. Seth, I've been working. Yeah, yeah. Seth, let's jump right in, man. Let's talk about yeah. shadow. Let's talk about shadow work for people who are unfamiliar with it. This is a term that comes to us from the world of Jungian psychology. Carl Jung. Why don't you give a, a definition of what the shadow is? Uh huh. Yes, Jungian psychology. Carl Jung um, really came out of like Freud's initial idea of the unconscious, which I, I think a lot of people are, are aware of. Um, but the, really, the simple idea with the shadow is that we all have parts of ourselves that we hide from ourselves, mm. right? Um, I, I think a lot of times people associate the shadow with evil or bad mm -hmm. behavior uh, to like break that uh, kind of misconception out like the, the shadow can lead to that for sure but really the concept of the shadow is all about um, um, what what elements in our psyche um, that are unknown to us like what's outside of our regular like awareness you know mm -hmm. is it like um, uh, like things we're mm -hmm. unaware of but also things we're in denial of yes totally yeah it's it's what I'm not willing to see like um, and let me just say this too, like in addition to what is outside of our awareness, it's it's valuable to say like James Hollis, a great Jungian analyst, he says that the shadow includes all of the aspects of ourselves that have a tendency to make us uncomfortable with ourselves, right? So it's not just what's outside of our awareness, but it's also what discomforts the sense of self we wish to have. So it's, it's um, yeah, it's what's within me. It's what is true of me that what is when it's brought to my awareness, I find it super problematic. It's threatening to me. It's contradictory to my what I profess my values are. Right, your your ideal self. Right, so anything yes. that's in con that is in contradiction of the self that you ideally uh, hold to be true mm -hmm. of you, you know that that's material that goes in the shadow. Right, like it's. Yes. Um, so let me give you a. Um, Maybe flesh it out too. So when we deny faults and weaknesses, um, there are aspects of our personality that we 
cleaved off when we were younger because our culture said those aspects of our personality were unacceptable. Yeah. Or our family said, we don't like that part of you. Right. Yes. And because that, yeah. And because that family's taking care of your meal ticket, you're <laughs> as a little person, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to make sure that goes away. Cause I don't want the shame and I don't want any of that stuff to, to, to haunt me. And, yeah. uh, and so we, we also, to be clear to everybody, we cleave off beautiful parts of who we are. And Jung would have called that the golden shadow, as I understand it, right? Yeah. And yep. and we so there are beautiful parts of ourselves that we need to reclaim that are inside the shadow that we because our for whatever reason we deemed them these parts of ourselves as being repugnant for some mm-hmm. reason, right? Yeah. If I could frame it up too, like I love this uh, quote from um, Gabor Mate, who says that. Um, humans have two needs, connection, he calls it attachment, but I think you can say connection and authenticity. Mm -hmm. So when authenticity threatens connection, connection trumps authenticity. So basically we all learn, like you were saying in the process of growing up, that it's much safer to forego being truly authentic for the sake of keeping connection with my caregivers and peers, right? I'd rather Mm -hmm. say connected to you and forsake my authenticity than lose connection with you. So this is where we begin to exile, like you're naming parts of ourselves into the shadow because they don't belong anymore Mm -hmm. in order for me Mm -hmm. to be okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so in my experience, like as a therapist, you know, part of my goal was uh, how can we safely bring to conscious awareness those parts of ourselves and of our experience? How can we bring that material into the light? Because the more we know about ourselves, the more we can correct problems in ourselves and in our relationships and become more whole human beings, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than being yep. disintegrated, literally, yep. lacking wholeness, which is what that would mean in Latin, disintegritas lacking wholeness right yeah so how does the enneagram help with shadow work and tell me a little bit like about why this is so important to you this this work um yeah um so i mean shadow i think we just should get clear on that too what is shadow work um i i, th- I think just a fancy way to it's a, it's a fancy way to describe um being honest with yourself about yourself mm-hmm. right it's it's healthy mm-hmm. self-examination honest self-examination um, so Enneagram shadow work is, I would say, it's about, um, because of our dominant Enneagram type, um, how we tend to exclude certain things out of our awareness, out of mm-hmm. our, our sense of self. We edit out um, of ourselves what doesn't align with our type identity. So nine, right? Type nine, myself here, um, which is about peace. This is my type identity, if you will. This There's this tendency to suppress and exclude whatever parts of me then could disrupt me maintaining that peace. So it's things like being angry or other people being, it's just anger. Um, it's personal significance. It's um, having a strong opinion. So I split off from and I disown those parts of me. But like you're saying, these are key elements of me that that actually make up um, my wholeness as well. So using the Enneagram for shadow work, um, I think is valuable because it provides really specific, clear insights to what we naturally avoid and suppress about ourselves because of our dominant Enneagram type. Mm, I love that. You know, in in my book, the the story of you, I actually have a story about you that I tell mm. about Enneagram nines. You, you know the story I'm talking about, right? I do. Yes. Because I think yep. that's a good example of a moment in your life when you reclaimed something in your shadow 
Is that fair to say? And allowed yourself to give expression to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one of one of the things in my shadow is massive expression, um, and especially when it has to do with the emotion of anger. And so, unpracticed right things that accumulate, especially emotion, it it just builds and builds and builds. And um, there were there was this this moment in in my in my story um, where a really important person of mine had been. Um, I, I can't think of the I can't think of the correct term, but just there was something about it that was very um, n- not okay. It was really not okay, and I found out another piece of information that should have been revealed to me, and it just set me off. It felt like I my autonomy, my respect, my my I had lost control, and I was completely disvalued, um, and it moved me into this place of just losing it. You know, I called my 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 close at my best friend. And he'd never seen me get to that level of anger and, um, yeah, just expression as a, as a human being, you know? And I describe it as like what it feels like being able to lift an entire car and just throw it across the room with ease. And, um, I remember calling him the next day and I was a little, cause I'm, you know, I'm hesitant with, with that, that it, expression of myself and I was a bit nervous and feeling apologetic and a little guilty and so I called him and said hey man how was that for you because thinking about it today I'm like gosh what was that about that was a lot and so he just I remember him qualifying that experience for me saying man you don't have to apologize I've never seen you more alive mm. and I just remember thinking that is I mean that's a, definitely an example of un, I would say unlived life like a part of me that came to life um, because it was forced to, but also, you know, I had access to it at that point on, on some level I hadn't before. Mm. Yeah. You know, Anthony, Annie and I have been married for 38 years now. 38 years? I know, man. It's been a long time that we've been together. And, you know, for a long time, our partnership seemed to be really great. But there was a time when we were really struggling and there were a lot of sleepless nights and daily arguments. Yeah, maintaining strong relationships ain't easy. No, it is not. And do you know what helped us? What? Well, the Enneagram and therapy. Sure. Right? We both sought counseling and we had to do a lot of self-reflection and inner work to make our relationship what it is today, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And this is why, you know, I'm such a big proponent of therapy. Sure. Therapy is not just for those who have experienced major trauma, right? As with the Enneagram, a good therapist can really help people develop self-awareness to uncover their blind spots and work through them, to learn how to set healthy boundaries and effectively communicate their own needs, which in turn, you know, improves relationships, right? Sure, yeah. Well, check this out. BetterHelp's online therapy is a great place to start. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So if you've hit a bumpy spot in your relationship, whether with friends, at work, or with your significant other, I encourage you to find a therapist who can help you work through the challenges you're facing. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash typologypodcast today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Typology Podcast. So there, there's an example of, I mean, in a sort of a sideways fashion about mm-hmm. shadow work, right? Like you had denied anger, right? 
expressing anger openly and particularly really hot anger, mm -hmm. you kind of, because you had done some work, you were able to access it, not no longer deny it, get it out of the shadow, own it, express it. And interestingly, it made you more alive. And I think that's the promise for every type. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think this leads really well into like why doing shadow work is, is so important. Mm. Um, and, and I would say, I mean, you were talking about um, as a therapist, um, one of the things that you're, you're trying to figure out is how to help people do this in a, in a safe way. And, and I think it's, you know, it's appropriate to say some level of like psychological um, stability is really valuable before moving into, you know, looking at parts of yourself that you had to split off from growing up because they were threatening to you. Mm -hmm. um, so it, there should be a, a, a quality um, felt sense of safety, I think, even before moving into uh, acknowledging and admitting and embracing some of these parts of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but I'll say, why is this work so important is because I think most often when we feel stuck in life, like when we feel, when we find ourselves repeating relational patterns or we wish we could change something about ourselves that we, for some reason, can't seem to, I think it's because um, there's something in our shadow that's sabotaging us. Like mm. I'm, I'm convinced that shadow is the source to most of the interpersonal problems that we have. Uh, I read yesterday, uh, yesterday or today, it doesn't matter, uh, Neil Strauss, uh, he said that our biggest opportunities for growth lie in... Uh, lie waiting in the parts of ourselves that we don't want to acknowledge, recognize, or see. Um, so our shadow, really, because again, these are parts of us that didn't make sense with the little kid brain, but now we need to, um, they, they're, they're vital parts of ourselves that were disowned. Uh, they make up our fuller authenticity and they, call, they hold like key values and capacities that we need to round out and expand like our adult personality to be more full with ourselves, right? Um, so it, I just think it, it brings new resources. It brings wider, clearer, fuller perspective. It brings more conscious choice. Um, it just, I mean, you can think of like a, a beach ball, right? If you're trying to push that thing under, under, uh, under the water, it requires so much effort and energy to keep that thing underwater. And like our psyches are doing this practice or this this thing without our awareness of trying to keep these parts out of our awareness. And that requires so much effort. And then when we can like allow that stuff to come to the surface and reframe it as a part of who we are, that gives us life. That gives us new energy to chase after the things we want to and to let go of some of the old habits that we've been holding on to. So one of the things that I think I'm getting, is, I'm getting excited about it. I love yeah. it, man. No, I love it. Listen, I, I, I really think that we could equate or use as a litmus test of mental health, right? Or of, and spiritual health, right? Uh, would be around the idea of freedom. Like if the more bound up and the, the less freedom you have because of unconscious or even conscious material, the less mental health and, and life satisfaction you have, right? The more yeah. freedom you have spiritually and emotionally and mentally, obviously the better off you are, right? So Seth, when and why did like Enneagram shadow work become important to you? And can you give us an example of how it's helped you to grow? Yeah. Um, nope, I can't. <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, I think um, Enneagram uh, shadow work, it became important to me 
probably in the last few years, um, really as I started to gain an understanding of what in the world this thing even is in the first place. But um, I, you know, when I really began to start bumping into, um, bumping into and running up against like my limitations, like repeating, like I said earlier, uh, relational conflicts, wondering why I was stuck in the same patterns. Like I, I think I began to realize that I was trying to navigate the world and my own life with old uh, an old operating system, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like my, my favorite understanding of the word transformation is um, you are transcending your initial formation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all come into the world with an initial formation and paradigm through which we see the world. And, and I had just, I had begun to really bump up against those old stories and those old narratives and, and that old way of, of life. Um, and so fast forward a little bit uh, into some of this work, I guess. Um, one of the more recent things, probably two and a half-ish, I guess, you ever take years ago, um, we had the surprise of a fourth child coming. And, um, you know, this was a sh- obvious like shock to my system. Uh, all the things that had made up what made up me to this point, like what I was living with. And and I remember the last time we had uh, our third kid, this was right at the start of COVID. And honestly, I had lost myself in the the management of that, trying to hold all these, wear all these hats and be a dad of a a young kid in just in the midst of COVID. And it was was very, very difficult. And so I was afraid, um, like, well, how am I going to manage the responsibility of four kids and have a full-time job and all these other things? And um, and I just knew that I was going to lose myself again if I didn't cultivate 2.0 Seth. Um, and so this is where um, I started to realize um, shadow holds untapped potential and unlived life. And the version of me 2.0 Seth that was going to be actually be able to maintain and live and lead well this amount of responsibility for kids and everything else in my life uh, was only going to come from engaging my shadow is only going to come from finding out what else am I capable of? Because at that point in time, um, to another level, I had I had I limited myself to a smaller life. I'd limited myself drastically, you know. Um, so, I mean, that really speaks like clearly into like how it helps. It's helped me grow. I mean, it's it's increased my my capacity. I would honestly I say I'm I have way more capacity than I've ever had and my life to manage all of the different things. So it's, in, it's increased my wholeness, you know, my, my, I'm, I'm operating. I, you, you can argue probably with my wife about this. I would say I'm a bit less reactive than I once was things that would like emotionally trigger me. I'm a, I'm a bit, uh, um, less so I would say. Um, but it's, it's definitely shadow work has helped me expand my definition of myself. That is a big, that is a big thing. That's a, a big part of this. Like it's, um, if we make it enneagrammatic, you know, make it more specific to the enneagram. Um, I'd limited myself to seeking peace. Um, I guess I could say through the idea of avoiding. Right. That's what peace is. It's avoidance. Uh, whereas now expanding my definition of peace is about welcoming conflict, welcoming the parts of me that could cause conflict. But in the in the welcoming of those parts of me, I grow, and now I'm actually able to find even more real, deeper, truer peace. It's mm. good. Yeah, Give an example of that. Piece. I love that. An example of that, um, where you welcome conflict to expand your capacity yeah. for peace. Yeah. Um, by that, so I, I would say for nines, most conflicts is about um, the significance of oneself, and so. 
um, expressing my my needs and my value in this situation because it could differ from yours. Um, and so it's about what the perception is if I share something. Let me, let me try to think of a, of a specific example here. While you're thinking of that, let me say, yeah. because the nine might think the opposite to be true, right? To avoid conflict, you get mm-hmm. peace, but actually by welcoming conflict, you get, you expand your capacity for true peace as a nine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, mm. and, and, and your example could be, or might be, it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be, you know, just something that people could relate to because I think sometimes yeah, people, it is a, Here, here's an example, a different way of um, thinking. This is a this is a, a, a simple one, but in the moment, you know, it felt large. Um, my coworker the other day, um, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious to me now. Um, I, we were I was on three different text threads with some video that we were that we were about to make for the organization I work for, and uh, and I had actually made a scheduling error error and the videographer needed to do a different time in the morning instead of the afternoon. And so on, I for, had forgotten that my coworker was not on this text thread when we were scheduling difference, the different uh-huh. time. And so we all showed up in the morning and filmed and left the office. And then I get a text from my coworker and said, hey, where, where are you at? Where's everybody at? Uh, I just found out you guys already did it. What happened? And I remember I was driving with my kids in the back and I knew this text came in and I was like, oh no. And they don't live close to Nashville where the office is. It's at least a 30 or more minute drive. And so they literally came to the office and left. It was an hour drive for no reason. And I just am mulling this over, realizing this initial like, oh gosh, this massive thing just happened and I feel so much internal conflict and I disrupted this person's life drastically. And thankfully, my kids were in the back and they said something that reminded me that kind of helped me like get my head out of the clouds. And um, my normal response would have been, you know, to either to avoid this response in text right. for a while, or I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a phone call. I'm going to get grounded. I'm going to make a phone call and acknowledge that I made a mistake. And that is actually where, you know, I was initially starting as this feels like peace because I'm just forgetting this mm-hmm. is even here. This is an issue to be taken care of. But then I took care of it in the most adult way I could. And there was reconciliation easily. And there was just, there was more connection and there was real peace because I played my role in what it means to be in relationship with somebody, even when you mess up. And that's an example of where you transcended early formation, transformation. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. You, this Bingo. was all you know, so perfect. Let's talk for a minute just about all nine types. Uh, I want to talk about what each type denies about mm. themselves. And these are going to be, some of them are going to be fairly obvious, right? But we can sort of play around with it. And um, we, let's go eight, nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We'll go around in triads, right? So we'll start in the anger triad, the body triad with eight, nines, and ones, right? So with eights, the challengers, we could say that what they deny to be true about themselves, and therefore it's in their shadow, is their aggression, their lust for power, right? And their need to be vulnerable. Yeah. Anything to add? What do you think? I I think that's spot on. And I would include, um, you know, just a a regular kind of human sensitivity Mm -hmm. um, and a a potential dependency on other people. Because, you know, there's this need to control and to keep people out here for some kind of fear of potential betrayal. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so a dependency on people is a big one, I think. So for an eight doing shadow work, at the very least, some of those themes or those aspects of themselves would need to be brought out of the shadow and owned by them. So that, for an example, an eight doing shadow work would consciously be working on what it looks like to say to someone, for example, I need help mm -hmm. to be dependent on another person. Uh, to be less suspicious of other people's hidden agendas, right? That's something both sixes and eights, I think, sort of wrestle with, right? Is a natural sort of suspicion about other people. What else do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think those are valuable insights. I think I just blanked. What was the question you were, you were getting into? Well, I, I was saying, you know, what other kinds of things do you think eights need to reclaim to aspects of their oh. personality that need to be brought back out and reclaimed by them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in some terminology, the um, the virtue, right, in, in Enneagram language is called innocence. Mm -hmm. um, and so there, there tends to be a, a real ease for eights around, like, innocent creatures or, or kids. And a lot of times um, that is because that's the safest place for them to find their own innocence. Mm -hmm. um, this, like, the softer side of them that they, they can let down their guard you know, so I think I think some quality of kind of childlikeness where I don't have to protect myself from from, you know, any potential thing that's going to hurt me mm -hmm. or be betrayed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. OK. Now, we've already talked about nines a little bit. Um, and so part of what you were saying was that, I mean, part of the journey for that nine is to no longer deny and leave in the shadow their anger. Mm hmm. And I would say, but can, can we expand on anger a little bit? Because I think with the nine, that when we talk about anger, yes, it, there is an element of ire or, you know, aggression there. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's just life force, man. It's like mm -hmm. life force. Yeah, I think it's passion for sure. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I have seen um, energetic nines for sure, but around the thing that is important to them, less so. Mm. Go on. I can yeah. I can get it excited about what you're excited about, right? Yes. I can I can do that for you, but uh, ask me what I'm passionate about. I don't know. What do yes. you mean? Yeah. yeah. In fact, someone of uh, an enneagram. I think actually, I think it was Suzanne Stabile once said to me that you know her husband was is a nine, and mm -hmm. she said something to the effect of that when nines get around their own passion, that they actually turn their own life force down. Mm -hmm. It's like they turn the burner down from high to simmer. Is that yeah. your experience? Yeah, I, I I remember this is one of the things that we talked about the first time I was on, um, that there is a, when I find out what I'm passionate about, well, now it requires the effort and responsibility to maintain that. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm not willing to see if I have what it takes to do that. Because oh. the potential disappointment, right. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have what it takes to, to embody this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. You know, but one of the things that people don't talk a lot about with nines is, is fear. Mm-hmm. That, that fear is a theme. It, you know, we think, oh, five, sixes, and sevens, they have issues around anxiety. That's just way too, you know, uh, siloed thinking. Yeah. Um, the fact is that nines have a lot of fear about their own adequacy yeah. um, and about their own giftedness and their own strengths. And, and, and of course, what happens then is you merge with the, a passion that someone else has right. versus focusing your attention on your own. Yeah, it's super sad to to think your passion is what somebody else is, and mm -hmm. and then you start to that's where there's a lot of grief. Like, oh, I don't even care about that. Oh no, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just unconsciously just got on board with it. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, because that it's safer to know what's important to you than me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. All right. So you know, uh, let's talk about ones. I think with the the improvers, that obviously one of the things that they deny is their own anger, right? Mm-hmm. In the form, in 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 the way it gets expressed as resentment, right? Yeah. And also, uh, probably for that one, there's um, a denial of the need for, let's dare I say, hedonic pleasure. <laughs> right? It's like you can say that, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like just to let the hair down and to have the extra margarita and be the one who <laughs> forms the conga line. You know, like uh-huh. in a way to to let loose. Uh-huh. Uh, to unbutton the top button to... Uh, Definitely. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I do think there is shadow in both of your line points, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. that your response... And that's the thing is, is, is one's interpret sevenness as irresponsibility, which they're not allowed to be. Right. Yeah. Like, that's... But that's play. That's fun. And you need to have fun. You're a human being. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's perception. It's how I perceive... I'm not allowed to be that way, right? Because it's mm-hmm. not responsible. So it's mm-hmm. that that part of them, that seven part of them, is valuable to like expanding their definition of self. Yeah. Would it be fair to say that in your your security point, right, mm-hmm. is the reclaiming of a part of yourself that's in the shadow? For sure. Yes. Okay. Because I I I think that's really really true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, personal significance or or value is in the, the line point to three for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to have the courage from six to find out if I have the value. In oh, but now we're getting deep. This is, we yeah. may have to hold on to that one. Now. We're, we got lines flying uh, all over the place here. Yeah. Beautiful. I love this, yeah. man. All right. Let's talk about twos. What do you think, what do you think that, what is it that twos deny about themselves that ends up in their shadow that needs to come out uh, and be reclaimed by them? I mean, a go-to, an easier one is like their own their own needs, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, and even their, I would say, a capacity to be isolated and alone and by themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a capacity to practice boundaries and say no because I need to be indispensable. Yeah, yeah. I I think that uh, you know, for twos, that sometimes. Yes, caring for the needs of others, et cetera, et cetera, as you just said. But, you know, for twos have a certain kind of vanity. Um, as well, like threes, you know, and, and I think that that part of their work is to kind of claim, um, a truer, authentic expression of themselves as threes and fours need to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're right on. I mean, they, they are sometimes referred to as one of the image types, right? And so there, I do think there is a, um, uh, a bubbly aspect of, I need, this is how I'm going to draw in the attention of others and, and be able to to meet people's needs because I'm welcoming and I'm, so I'm this way all the time, you right. know? Mm-hmm. And so you, you don't get to see the uh, really angry or s- sad or the opposite of, of that, because that's not the kind of person that is, you would want to be around all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They also, if we go with the lines, right, they, they have to reclaim their own creativity um, like yes. a, like a, like a healthy four, they have to reclaim, as we just mentioned, their own authenticity as a four would be in their, in their highest expression. Yep. Um, wonderful. All right, let's talk about threes. 
Um, yeah. Um, what's the word you've been using? Well, what they're denying, right? Denying. That's, so that's what is it that the three denies that has mm-hmm. been cast into their shadow that needs to be brought out of the shadow, reclaimed so that they can live a freer, more, um, yeah. Authentic life. Yep. I would say it's, it has a lot to do with their own mediocrity, mm. um, their own inability to always be effective. <laughs> they have an ineffectiveness about mm-hmm. them that is true, mm-hmm. whether they want to believe it or not. Um, mm-hmm. They, let's see, like failures, past failures. Mm-hmm. There's an mm-hmm. there's an easy ability to reframe this as a learning, you know, or but but this is what I learned now because I I'm this is what happened. I don't want to call it a failure. Um, or even disapproval, because I'm looking to be approved in the eyes of other people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, parts of me that could cause or allow for some kind of dis- disapproval. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, also for that three, you know, um, that they need to reclaim their own, as we mentioned earlier, their own genuine self, you know. Um, and that's really hard work because it's very... Uh, you know, oftentimes for a three, that's just at the beginning stages of self-awareness and trying to figure themselves out. They go inside and it's so kaleidoscopic. Mm-hmm. Hard to identify. You know, like what? Hard to identify who I am. And and I think for twos, threes, and fours, man, like just getting getting the issues around identity stabilized um, is, is so important. Yeah. See me as I want to be seen is one of the things yes. to wrestle with. Yeah. Yeah. Rather yeah. than see me for who I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about fours, the perfect number on the Enneagram. Before we go to fours, I thought I was going to have to ask you if you're uh, broadcasting from the Congo, Ian. Sound like yeah, you had a couple of little, little lions <laughs> in the background. I, well, I, I do. What people don't understand <laughs> is, that, is that golden doodles actually come from the lion family. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> is that right? Mine, mine are growling in the background, and I don't know what. Maybe it's, I think it's Seth, actually. I think, <laughs> I think it's Seth. All right, let's talk about, fours. what about, well, yeah, let's talk about fours. Um, you know, I think, you know, and I think about shadow work in my own you know, life experience. You know, one of the things that I had to do very early on in my life when I, when I first went to therapy in my late 20s, I was getting sober. Man, I had to go in there and I, you know what I had to pull out of that shadow set? I had to pull a lot of grief out and I had to pull a lot of anger out. And I had to, to also really look at my fixation on being a special, unique person. Because mm-hmm. one of the reasons I was suffering so dang much was because I thought it was personal. That yeah. the things that had happened to me in my life were personal. They may have felt personal, but you know, life just happens, man. I mean, you know, bad things can happen. It's just, it's just the nature of life, you know. But I had to, I had to go digging in um, and, and look at so many issues around grief and sadness, mm-hmm. and you know, trying to talk myself out of my uniqueness, uh, which was perpetuating that suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a that was a big part of that journey for me. I had to face. Later in life, I faced up to issues around envy, Mm. you know, wishing I'd had the lives of others. And also the way that I compensated for that envy by being, you know, overly special and unique and blah, blah, blah. You know, those were all parts of my own journey. Um, I I actually feel like for the four, I think a lot of what they have to do is 
actually also go into that golden shadow and pull out the stuff about themselves that's so beautiful. Because I think fours yeah. have a lot of cleaved off material about their their good stuff. Yes. And I would say that's the line point to the high side of one, too. Mm-hmm. All right. right tell there. me more. The, just the goodness, natural mm. goodness about mm-hmm. what it means to be, um, yeah, what as I am is right and good, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just couldn't see that. I honestly couldn't. When I was 20, man, if you'd known me at 28, you'd have thought, man, this guy is. I mean, I, my self-presentation as a self-pressed for was very three or seven-ish. But if you could have gone inside and seen all the feelings of inadequacy and inferiority, uh, feelings of lesser than, feelings that that I was damaged, you know, that because of the family I grew up in, that I had to kind of overcome this stain on my past. Yeah. And, and of course, it took on operatic heights, right. you know, when I thought about it, right? Because, yeah. you know, my imagination was pretty rich. And um, so... I mean, that journey took, that took a lot of lather, rinse, repeat, I can tell you, but, mm-hmm. but it, but, you know, over time, you know, it, it, things got to be better, but it was, it was a slog, man, to go, but to go into the golden side was actually harder for me than to go into the dark side of my shadow. I, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I know from some friends that are fours is that there is sort of this, um, contract they made that they're unaware with, uh, they're not allowed to be, you know, incredibly happy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because the identification with pain, um, as my, who I am yeah. is like how I separate myself. Like I'm the guy, this is me. This is how mm-hmm. it is for me. Um, and so I, I think actually just one of the things that gets denied for, for fourness is, is, is this quality of, um, I like the word mundanity. <laughs> or just, or ordinary. What is ordinary about you? Because because there's this tendency to curate things to look so, you know, uh, flowery, so that I'm special. But what about just the parts of you that are just regular, like me? I don't want to mm-hmm. be like you. And that's not that's not at all okay. I can't be like you. I can't be mundane. Uh, I can't have any a similarity to you, because that's that's common. And I'm not common. I'm special. I'm. You know, I'm, that's how I separate myself, and that's my yeah. So I think there's a there's a quality that gets denied of, of just the part of you that is just simply simple as it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of making it this big flashy thing or just you know leaving it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Folks, you've heard me share on the show before that years ago as a pastor, I burned out. I have seen this happen so many times to all kinds of Christian leaders and shepherds. Most people, in my experience, try to heal and grow in their own self-help program, but it's not enough. Now for me, I've gotten so much help through intensive retreats and that's what I want for you. That's why I'm also a big believer in the intensive retreats offered by my friends, Drs. Bill and Christy Galtier. You've heard them on the show before. They're therapists and they're founders of Soul Shepherding. With their team of senior spiritual directors, they will help you go deeper in your relationship with God, in your emotional health, and in loving relationships. Their faith-based psychology and spirituality is really life-changing. You can choose from multiple Soul Shepherding retreats 
across the U.S. You'll get to be personally mentored and cared for by Bill, Christy, and their staff in an authentic, faith-based community who are committed to serving God as leaders or shepherds. Plus, with the retreat program, you have the option to earn a certificate in the Ministry of Spiritual Direction. So here's what I want you to do. Visit soulshepherding.org today for a free consultation with a senior spiritual director on Bill and Christie's staff. It's your turn. You can go deeper in your relationship with God, in your emotional health, and in your loving relationships. Go to soulshepherding.org and click on Go On Retreat. Well, we could, I could go on, obviously I'm a four and I could go on a long time about it, but about the journey of that healing and of the work I had to do. Maybe the thing that does stick out to me today was how important it was again to, because I was so identified with, I could say I spent my whole life in that dang shadow, but I had paid no attention to the golden shadow. Those parts of me that I had cleaved off that were beautiful and really, really good. Like, can I just give you one example of this? Yeah. So we were talking the other day on the show about I, I grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is a, it's just like the classic three town. You can't believe how three Greenwich is. Right. Um, and so I had to, in a way, kind of cleave off parts of me that were not very three ish because otherwise I wouldn't be accepted. Right. And so that artist, the artist in me, you know, I always felt kind of embarrassed of in a strange way. Yeah. Uh, and that had to be brought out and and loved on you know and reintegrated uh-huh. into my into my person you know mm-hmm. yeah so all right let's talk about fives fives what's what's the work for them i i think it's you know there's this scarcity mindset right about mm-hmm. their 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 mental capacity or not even their mental capacity their their energetic capacity because um, i think they have tons of they tend to have men's mental capacity for sure but yeah, I think it's around um, what gets denied is this this scarcity mindset that I people are draining, right? Um, and so um, I don't I have a limited amount of internal resources to stay here uh, because this is here is where people are, and this is where direct contact with people is what is draining. People are draining, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it's this um, ability to like be incompetently with others. I don't have to have um, information to prove my, my competence with you. So mm. it, is, it, is this, it is this thing about, it's denying the part of you that uh, can be with others without some profession, professional information, you know, something that proves your value. Mm. Uh, and obviously we, we, the, the five has to, as they do shadow work, stop denying their, their feeling space. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and feelings, that's another thing too, is like, that's something that can't be figured out. And it is draining when you give yourself over to them. And mm-hmm. people are emotional, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also think there's, it kind of goes with what I said already, but just this um, not knowing. I'd rather not tell you that or admit to that. I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. so right. not knowing. I'd rather do that with by myself, not with others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on to sixes, the loyalists. Yeah, I, I think some of this is it's a it's a weird kind of golden shadow. Um, for I think for six is like this um, ability to know, <laughs> not doubt, to know what the answer is, to not have to question all of everybody to find out what what is true, what 
what is the best way to go? You know, I already know. And I, I am, what I deny is, um, my ability to know, you know, the truth on mm-hmm. my own. Yeah. On my own. That's the yes. key right there. Right. Yeah. So it's really about facing up to the way that they deny their own competency to face life and to do life without always having to uh, consult with other people who they perceive to be experts mm-hmm. or are, who are more trustworthy than they are to make decisions or to give advice yeah. or to it's give their direction. own inner authority. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but that, I also think. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just thinking about a friend of mine. Their their mother was one of these people that was a over the top helicopter parent, right? Mm. And n- never, you know, and it was all very anxious stuff, right? And um, what they felt robbed of because mom was always making all the decisions was was being robbed of believing that they had what it took to do life. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like what got communicated to them was you can't do this. Don't trust yourself. Trust me, mom. I'm mom. I'll, you know? And so yes. they just, they never got practice at, you know, uh, making their own decisions, doing, doing things on their own. It was always, you know, there was always someone there kind of undermining that, that, that learning to trust themselves. Yeah. That's the, that's the shadow uh, self-sabotage right there. Um, and you could do this for all the types, right? But for the six, it's, if I, I will continue to sabotage knowing um, the right answer on my own if I continue to ask other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good. Really yeah. good. All right. Let's finish up with sevens. Um, yeah. I think, I think for the sevens, there, there tends to be this denial. I, I like to kind of reframe it sometimes as, as like a denial of my capacity to um, be limited. Mm-hmm. You know? Because I, I think there is an, a there's a, a denial of of um, being able to stay here, you know, like my capacity to stay here, so being limited. But um, but I think there's a, a denial of what part of me feels boring. It's not like stimulating and exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to express the part of me that isn't going to get you or me excited. Mm. Good yeah. one, man. Good one. Now, this is a word to people, you know, like I think when people are doing their work, one of the things that tends to happen, and people don't do this consciously, but when people start to do their work, other people resist it. Yeah. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the, people will unconsciously undermine the work that another person is doing around their Enneagram type because they, what's happening is the person's changing the script and pe- it throws everybody out of whack. Like yeah. all of a sudden, Seth's expressing his anger and his passion and his like, whoa, that's new. And, and sometimes people will try and unconsciously pressure you to go back to the way it used to be. And I think one of the greatest expressions of love that we can give to people is to allow them to change their script the way that they are in the world and not try and uh, unconsciously uh, pressure them to go back to the way life was before because that's just more comfortable and predictable. Yes. And that was the gift your friend gave you when they said that they've never seen you more alive. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, they, I mean, they could easily have said, yeah, man, that was a little too intense, Seth. Yeah. Right. You know, that expression of anger that you over in that phone call was a little too intense. I'd prefer it if you kind of went back to being chill, Seth. Right. Right. And I would have been easy to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Right. But, (laughs) but, but that person gave you a great gift by saying, nope, the new script is great, man. I like it. Yes. It's good. Yes. And I, and I think this is what, um, actually 
are the best people you want to be around are the ones that allow you to um, be in relationship with your type differently than you have been previously. Mm-hmm. 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 Because if if our relationship with our types aren't growing and changing, if our initial formation isn't being transcended, then that to me that is why that's why we keep self sabotaging. Because I have to stay the the familiar me that you're comfortable with and that I'm comfortable with. So yeah. let's we got to wrap up here, and it, and I have two more things I want to do before we do. But the first one is Anthony. I got a question for you. Yeah. So how much time do you think you spend on average per day? This is a this is a really this is a serious question. Do you spend per day thinking of, about issues related to personal, emotional, and spiritual growth? I mean, I you don't have to give me hours, but you could. You know, is it a lot, a little? I'd say it's a lot. Think? It's a lot, right? Now you're a four, and I right. think fours are very good. At, they have a very rich inner dialogue. Um, Seth, what about you? I mean, it's the most of the day at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would I would say that's true for me, that I, that I find myself and, and I'm I'm saying this because I want people to understand when you begin to do work on yourself for it to really that, that it has to become a priority, right? Like mm-hmm. like it yeah. and usually if you're in a lot of pain, life will force you to do it, right? Like it, you know, mm-hmm. but even like I don't wouldn't consider myself right now to be a person in a lot of pain, but I do spend a lot of time. It's the first thing I do in the morning, journaling, praying, thinking, reading. Um, Throughout the course of the day, things come up and it becomes opportunity for prayer, for example. You know, you know, I, uh, I, you know, I'll I'll read something in in the morning and then throughout the day I'll be thinking like I'll give you an example. I've been reading a lot about ego lately and um, about the different manifestations of ego. And it just has given me a lot to pray about. And I think about this stuff all day long. And it's not mm. navel-gazing. What I'm trying to do is, is ride the wave of personal growth and change. And it gives me such good stuff to talk with God about. <laughs> and it's necessary for that. I love your definition early on, Seth, of transcending your initial formation. It's necessary for transformation. I don't think you can get there any other way, right? It requires yeah. mm-hmm. what you're talking about, Ian. So, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. man. Oh, yeah. man. I, I sure hope that 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 everybody sees that as our and 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 for those people who worry that oh, this is all about me and too much self talk, blah blah blah. You know, there's always that cohort of people in the world. What I want to say to them is, look, if for no other reason, I do this work so that I I can I am better equipped to love other people. The more I do this work, the better I am at loving people. That's just, you know, to me that that's a, a a an altruistic dimension of doing your own work. And it's yeah, it's the tell if you've really done the work, right? Oh yes, because that's the way it works itself out. Absolutely, as opposed to being Absolutely. consumed with your own self care. Yeah. Right. Oh, and you know what? Let's not even go onto that because you know how <laughs> mad I get about that. <laughs> Well, listen, this is a good place for us to stop and let everybody know that we have a really cool thing that we do. It's called the Typology Institute membership. And we, you, Ian and I, we drop a special podcast episode for our Typology Institute members every month. And then every month we have uh, a town hall where we discuss 
that podcast. And we, you get a lot of other things too, but that those are two really fun things that we do. And for January, we're actually going to uh, extend this podcast or we're recording another podcast with Seth, but we're going to get into some really great tools. Uh, we're going to talk about projections and explain what that is, get into some practices for how you can experience some personal transformation for yourself. So this is just a little, just putting the bug in your ear. It's a good time, brand new year to join the uh, Typology Institute membership. And with that, we can we can close and we'll move on. Do you have any parting words for us, Ian? Yeah, I just want folks to know about Seth, that number one, Seth, tell folks about the organization you work for. Oh, uh, yeah, thanks. Um, it's called Restore Small Groups. Um, it is, it's basically an organization uh, that focuses on mental and emotional well-being through the process of eight-week guided support groups. So it's largely, most people don't have a very, very safe environment in which they can express every aspect of their life, the crazy, horrible, like the the darkest parts, the best stuff, uh, and then say it out loud and name the truth of what's inside them and and then still be okay. Um, and so we, we kind of focus on, um, it's a guided thing, like I said, but it's it, we look at self-examination. There's, there's a process to really gain self-awareness, uh, but within the context and the framework of healthy, supportive, safe relationships. And so we help you create a vision for who you want to become and how you maintain that through intrinsic motivation. Mm. How do people find out about it? Because I know you have some new groups forming. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to restore smallgroups.org and you can find us there. Great. You also, just so everyone know, uh, Seth is a master coach and he is wonderful at helping people navigate uh, lots of the questions that arise as they move into the second half of life. And um, Seth, how do people find out about that? Yeah, thanks. You can you can either email me uh, uh, at, I don't know if I want to give my email or not, but integratedenneagram at gmail.com, or you can just find me on Instagram, um, integratedenneagram, at integratedenneagram. Cool. All right. And also, folks, don't miss uh, Seth's uh, podcast, Fathom. And um, which is an Enneagram podcast. It's wonderful. I've been on it myself as a guest, privileged to have done so. And we got to go, Anthony. Yeah, we do. Sign us off. All right, friends. May you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace. May you have healing. And may you have rest. Summer camp is a magic place where kids discover who they are because they have the freedom to explore on their own. Why Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is a sleepaway camp in the heart of Idaho's wilderness. Each summer, campers make friends, build new skills, and learn to love the outdoors through activities like canoeing, archery, zip lining, rock climbing, campfires, and more. Registration for Why Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is open. Financial assistance is available. Learn more at whycampidaho.org.